Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I would like to sing one fucking song at karaoke because I've seen it in the movies and nobody ever wants to go. Hello and welcome to Still Watching, a weekly television podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Richard Lawson. And I'm Chris Murphy. We're here to discuss episode two of the fourth and final season of the HBO series Succession. And later on, Vanity Fair politics correspondent Bess Levin will be stopping by to talk about just how similar the Roys are to the Murdoch family, who seems to have its own set of troubles at the moment. Court evidence has just been released in Dominion Voting Systems' billion-dollar lawsuit against Fox News. When someone as experienced and powerful as Rupert Murdoch does make what in court are sometimes called admissions against interest. Its on-air personalities knowingly lied to their viewers about the 2020 election. You're never too old for love. Billionaire media mogul Rupert Murdoch today announcing his fifth engagement at the age of 92. But first, let's recap what was an incredibly packed episode two, Rehearsal. It is somehow the eve of both Logan's big board vote and Connor's wedding, and things are not going well for either acquisition. We're prepared to vote no on the Gojo deal at the Waystar board meeting tomorrow. We think there's more money to be squeezed from the suite. And Shiv's teamed up right. with Sandy Furness and Stewie to try to tank the acquisition, though she has to get Kendall and Roman on board first. We vote yes tomorrow and we all make billions of dollars or we sign up for your cool shit and then Dad disinherits us entirely. That sounds like a toughie. We'll think about it. Connor's bride Willa is getting cold feet. I, I think they can take it from here. You're not, not vital from here. Tom and Greg have to kill Carrie's dreams of being an ATN anchor. This is an incredibly delicate piece of diplomacy, Greg. It's like Israel-Palestine, except harder and much more important. (laughs) All while Logan is zeroed in on making big changes at the network. I'm going to build something better. Something faster, lighter, meaner, wilder. And I'm going to do it from in here. Where do you are? You fucking pirates! So, Chris, you and I famously both have uh, MBAs from Wharton. So let's talk about the I'm actually, business. I actually went to Harvard Business School. <laughs> oh, Can you please sorry, get that right? Sorry. So let's set the record straight. Yeah, please. we have that rivalry. I forgot about that. 100%. Um, so we should talk about Gojo, which is kind of the big 
thing that everyone's talking about in this episode that leads to some more emotional things that we can talk about later. Yeah. Um, I think you were the one last week who was a little bit more suspicious about, did the kids have a victory? I mean, obviously that had to do with Pierce, but there's also the Gojo sale to be handled. And now the kids are kind of disrupting that. Do you think they're making a crazy mistake right now? Okay. I, I still am, my guard is up. I'm not trusting everyone. If anything, I trust Matson more than anyone involved in the Gojo deal right now. When Matson says that he's literally going to walk, I believe him. He does not seem like a liar to me. He no. seems like a, as <laughs> Roman said last episode, like a 4chan weirdo, yeah. but he does not seem like a liar. So the fact that like Shiv and Kendall at that bar scene were like, how can you trust that Matson will actually walk? And yet they're blindly trusting Sandy and Stewie. I'm like something, I think their trust is in the wrong place. And I think they're questioning Matson. And they're not questioning Sandy and Stewie's motives. And I would definitely be questioning Sandy and Stewie's motives for going back to the table. Right. Because Sandy and Stewie, who are on the board, as is Sandy's father, also called Sandy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, They have been adversaries, you know, for a long time. And now they're sort of weird allies because, oh, we want to extract more money from this. I think part of it that I saw in this episode is... In the bar scene where they're, you know, with the common people, I think they're at like McManus yeah, in Chelsea or something, like, which is like, like a, which Chelsea, is yeah. more of a localish bar than some in, in that neighborhood. But anyway, <laughs> is they think because Matson is a new kind of zillionaire, you know, he's digital age, he's social media, he's whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the kids think they have him figured out better than Logan does, but I just don't know that someone who like Logan who has done what he's done doesn't understand everyone. To some very cynical, you know, calculating degree. And I think that when he says, let's just do it, let's just be done with it, he might, maybe that's just self-preservation. He just wants to get this thing done. But I think he also might be like, you know, like he says at the end of the episode, you're not serious people. You're not serious people. You know, you're such, I forget the word. Is it not, is it buffoons, idiots? You are dopes. Dopes. He calls them dopes. dopes. So I think that like, I don't know, is succession the now four season long story of these kids trying and failing to be their father. That's so interesting because what I took away from this episode specifically is that Shiv, who seems to be acting almost irrationally out of anger, right, in terms of going back to the table with Sandy and Stewie, wanting to fuck over Tom because Tom has fucked over their divorce settlement by, you know, retaining every single lawyer in Manhattan. She's acting out of a purely emotional place and is being super cutthroat. But by the end of the episode, she kind of turns into Logan. Like, she's so cutthroat. She wants more money. She's ruthless, more so than Kendall, way more so than Roman. Um, and in, this, in the amazing uh, monologue that she gives in Maru, the karaoke spot, which we will have to talk about <laughs> in, in depth yeah. at some point, um, she even, when she's calling Logan a human gaslight, which I think is very accurate and really correct, she, at the end of that speech, even does, like, a little bit of a Logan impression when she says, like, you're always right. She says it, like, with a little bit of, like, his, yeah. like, you know, Scottish lilt. And I was like, wow, she's, like, turning into a full monster. She's becoming Logan. But I do think that she might be ultimately wrong about Sandy and Stewie. Yeah. I mean, I think there is the performance of that kind of tenacious business acumen and then the actual thing. And I I think that maybe she's good at, as the other kids can be on occasion, good at the performance of it. Yes. But are they clouded by this familial thing, which is maybe making a case that there shouldn't be these family-owned dynasties because <laughs> hmm, you don't say too much. You know, other uh, you know emotional stuff comes into play. I, I think you could also look at this show. I mean, we're looking toward an ending, right? Yeah. Like we've been wondering which kid is going to take over the throne. Which 
I guess is kind of similar to the question of which kid is most like Logan. Yeah, which kid is most made in Logan's image. <laughs> but I think the answer is this: we have this the scene at the bar and then the scene at the karaoke. Like, they're all parts of him. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe together... Like Voltron, <laughs> they can make one. I'm not valorizing Logan. Logan's a bad okay, guy. Get Michael Bay but in like, here, and we yeah, get exactly. Transformer movie. But like, I think that might just be their frustration, but also perhaps the frustration of lots of scions of mm-hmm. industry who, you know, in certain cases they have done better than their parent, but like live in that shadow so starkly that. They'll never get out from it. Yeah. I mean, I guess we're here at this moment, so we might as well just talk about that big family moment in the karaoke scene, which was so fantastic. And Sarah Snook is so wonderful. Brian Cox is so wonderful. They both do such great work. The way that Brian Cox winces when uh, Jeremy Strong Kendall says, well, we're just trying to, you know, make our own way. And Brian Cox is like, you getting money from this Gojo deal is not you making your own way. This is everything that I've done. This is my company. I've worked. I've handed you everything. I've handed you life on a silver platter. And for these children to think that like, oh, them being ball busters and going back to the table and renegotiating and that's them doing something on their own is so boneheaded. It's yeah. so Nepo baby that Logan can't help but wince in response right. in such a visceral way. It's so perfectly encapsulated that, you know, he loves them. He actually, I actually do think he loves them. And he actually says it this episode. He says it. He says that he loves them. Yeah. But he can't take them seriously because they're, because they're not serious people. Right. I mean, maybe that love is conditional. He loves them when they fall in line. You know, he mm-hmm. loves them when they're kind of useful. We see that at the end with Roman. Like, he's buttering him up and saying, no, it's more than want. I need you. You know, mm-hmm. I believe there is something genuine in there. But yeah, I mean, I guess Logan is not, he's hes much more self-made than these kids are, yes. you know? And I think you see it, you know, earlier in the episode when they're at the sort of lake retreat house and then they go to the airstrip to get helicoptered back for Connor's rehearsal dinner and the woman who's in control of the helicopter is like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't let you on. Yeah. And she said, well, it's just the company. And they're like, we are the company. Our dad's the CEO. And you're, you are adults who still have to say that. Who have to say our dad. It, that encapsulates everything. And Roman, I mean, in that moment, being like, I will literally spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to ruin your life because you won't let me on my daddy's helicopter right. is that in like a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in the karaoke scene, which, you know, we have seen some moments of emotional vulnerability on this show before, certainly, uh, and and in this season maybe especially. But that scene felt like something new, where it was just sort of walk and talk, bluster kind of gone, Mm -hmm. and we're just sitting in this ridiculous room. (laughs) Do you think anything was accomplished? I I know the kids are saying, oh, we had this catharsis of finally having said it. Like, how do you feel Mm -hmm. now that we've really, like, you know, stabbed dad in the side? Obviously, Roman feels otherwise. Yes. Connor is, I mean, what's that line? He says, I'm a rock. And I'm a plant that grows on rocks and lives off insects that die inside of me. So bleak. But what do you think was, if anything, accomplished in this kind of almost show-defining confrontation? Oh, I mean, I think we really have to look at Logan to glean what was most important about yeah. that scene, especially comparing to his blustering, his pirate speech on the ATN floor. Yeah. He's, you know, this big bad wolf. And then he sits in this quiet moment with his children and he's in his own way able to admit some wrongdoing, right? You know, it takes him a while to sort of say, 
I'm sorry. And there's no there's no amount of words that he could possibly say to apologize for everything that he's put his kids through. But they're able to get at at least a kernel of an apology yeah. from Logan, which is something that they've all sort of wanted. But the thing is, it's too late. Shiv, by this point, is scorched earth. It's over. It's done. Mm -hmm. She says, she says, I can't believe a thing that comes out of your mouth. I will say, maybe I'm naive. I think Logan was being genuine in this conversation and that he actually was sad that his kids weren't at his birthday party, that he does ultimately want the best for them and that they are literally fucking up this deal right. out of spite for him. But they're so upset and they're so emotional. And because they're not serious people, and you can't say Logan isn't a serious person. Yeah. If, if Logan is one thing, he is a serious person. Because they are high on their own supply and they think that they've built something that they've really just inherited, they can't see that they're in danger of ruining everything for every single person. And I do think, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to side with Logan here. I think Logan is right. Yeah, no, I think he's right about this aspect of things. And I mean, what all these people should have done was just cut the apron strings decades ago <laughs> and just really try to let them maybe give them, you know, like the Gates family is giving their kids like 10 million each and then saying, you know, go with God. Penny is maybe Maybe they could have done something like that. Um, and I think you're right. Logan is the serious person in that room. But we are also seeing Logan perhaps getting a little bit unserious in other avenues of this show, mm -hmm. specifically maybe with the ATN stuff, with Carrie, Carrie, with this audition tape. Carrie in her hands. <laughs> the Carrie audition tape being as embarrassing as it is. I understand Logan keeps saying, I'm not part of this, but, like, obviously he is. Yeah. That feels like a major failure of, like, judgment, right? Because that's so embarrassing for Logan. Why would he do that? <laughs> okay, so the thing about Logan, which I love, oh, so expertly done between this episode and the last episode, Logan wants people to tell him jokes. He loves to laugh, but he right. does not like to be laughed at. No. And the second that he's laughed at, he was like, Carrie, you're out. And I, <laughs> ooh, I gotta say, Carrie, Miss Bangs, Wonderful comedic work, yeah. flubbing um, her job as a Fox News host or ATN News host. But I do think what, to your point and to Shiv's point about Logan being a human gaslight, what happened with Carrie this episode was the exact perfect embodiment of that phenomenon where Logan doesn't even have to say anything, right? He sort of just like throws out this idea, like, what if we made my girlfriend Tommy Loren or Gretchen Carlson or whatever? Right. And then it goes south because it was a, a terrible idea from the jump and he shouldn't have done that. Again, just a look, just like a sort of yeah. a, a nod. The gaslight is off. So he yeah. turns on the gas and then he turns it off. Yeah. And I think in the karaoke scene, when Carrie is trying to assert herself and is quickly shut down. <laughs> and then Shiv and Kendall, they figure out the TV thing isn't happening and they're like, congrats on your first betrayal. Yeah. That's yet another character, we've seen it before, realize like, oh, this family of blood relations are going to be scratching at each other until all of them are dead. Yeah. And why would I ever have thought I could <laughs> actually insinuate myself with any real power into this dynamic? You know what? Marsha's in Milan shopping forever because that's where people who try to enter the inner sanctum of the Roy's eventually end up, which is actually, well, that's the good version. That's of a good version. That's when you've learned your lesson yeah. and you're like, I've actually, I'm going to take my check right. and I'm going to collect the bag and I'm going to go buy bags in right. Milan. Otherwise, you completely mortify yourself in a video that's apparently been passed to everybody. Every single person, from <laughs> yeah. Hugo to Jerry to... <laughs> yeah. And when the dope set, the fake Fox News are laughing at you, I mean, you must be really bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was really bad. It was 
exceptionally bad. And I do think, I don't know how much that signifies that Logan has like lost his marbles and is sort of like his grip is fading. I mean, that's very honestly kind of like old school Hollywood casting couch. I'm going to make my girlfriend a star, which in some ways is like sort of tales all this time. It doesn't sort of necessarily signal to me that he is losing his grip on reality. It just is like, oh, he's like playing from the oldest playbook that there is. But maybe, yeah. what do you think? I think you're right. It's old school. And I think that it dovetails with the fact that he is trying to very vocally reinsert himself in the daily goings-on at his television network. Because, much like the real-life Murdochs, when the Murdochs sold Fox to the film studio and all that stuff, they kept Fox News, yeah. you know, because that's their, not only their financial crown jewel, but an ideological one, right? Yeah. And so I, I think that Logan reverting back to his newsman days of old, not the sort of big media tycoon, but like, I'm a newsman. This, I love it here. Yes. In his mind, part of that, I don't know, that job in a way is like, yeah, you get the lady you're sleeping with a job. Yeah, that's she's an pretty, old, she'll look good. That's like, from the 70s, yes. you know? So I think that's less concerning to me in terms of his mental faculties um, than is this weird. It's it's not a big part of the episode, but this weird turn on Jerry mm. because he walks into the conference room. Obviously, she is snickering at the yeah. video. And then he later he's like, we're going to do this big meeting. No, Jerry. No, Jerry, my girl. And he kind of accuses her of already like trying to like get in with Madsen and just Viking helmet. Like, Did he put your Viking helmet on? And that's some paranoid Mad King. I'm going to just start assassinating all the people close to me because I don't trust out. They're all turning on me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That to me is more indication of some sort of wrongness in his mind than is the the Carrie stuff. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, my girl, Jerry, who I said was going to take the throne now, yeah. <laughs> looks well, at a lot more dicey yeah, this yeah. week. But um, I do, I don't know, maybe I'm like too Logan Hive, but I do think that him realizing that they were laughing at his girlfriend and him being like, okay, well, then she's cut. I think that shows that he's still, at the end of the day, he's about profits. He's about yeah. power. Let's stay on top. That being said, you know, the very first scene, he's like, why is everybody asking me if I'm okay? He says the pizza could kill me. Like there are a lot of these little like uh, lines and sort of insinuations trickled in to the episode that is definitely signals that maybe Logan is due for a fall. Yeah. And he's ranting about rats on the street. The rats were as fat as skunks. They hardly care to run anymore. And I know he's like, He's mad at his kids or he's hurt. I think that's more. He's hurt hurt by his children. And he's ranting at Carrie about all that stuff. But yeah, actually, you brought something up that I I think this is maybe the most important question I have about this episode. Chris, do you think Logan's ever actually eaten pizza? (laughs) I always wonder that about like really rich, powerful people. Pizza is such a proletariat food in a way. It's cheap. It's, you know, whatever. Yes. Has he ever had pizza? I don't think he's had pizza in like 27 years. Okay, sure. But I definitely think, you know, he is sort of a self-made man. I think he probably spent many a night, you know, climbing his way up the ladder, creating his business, you know, getting dollar slices. In the newsroom. Yes. Sleeves rolled up. Absolutely. Yeah. And but I bet that's probably what pizza reminds him of. And he's like so far beyond that. Right. That he that's probably why pizza that pizza could kill him line. I do think if we're talking about orders and food and drinks, we have to talk about the <laughs> the, the kids' orders at the yeah. Peter McManus style bar. Shiv yeah. not wanting to have club soda from the nozzle. It has to be a sealed lid or a sealed top. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Connor not being able to drink Hogarden. He wanted to be a man of a people, but... Um, yeah, yeah, a Belgian vice beer or whatever he a calls Belgian it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and Kendall getting a bitters and soda, so he's sticking to sober. his sobriety, we even though that. there is a lot of booze flowing among his siblings. And then Roman is just like, I'll just do a vodka tonic or yeah. whatever. And then I think that's an interesting, actually, avenue into talking about Roman in this episode because mm. if this show is trying to get us to be sympathetic to anyone in this season, I feel like they're doing a good job with him. I think he's so. He's measured. He's kind-ish to Connor. Yeah. He's like, guys, we can't be wheeling and dealing. Like, his soon-to-be wife might have actually ended the the engagement right now at the yeah. rehearsal dinner. Obviously, he goes to his dad at the end of the episode. He's been texting, you know, a little bit to his father. Mm-hmm. I do think we're supposed to see that Roman quality as, like, genuine as it is playing to me in this episode. Yeah. It's so interesting because this sort of brings me to another question that I'll ask at the end of what I'm about to say. But Roman seems to be, like, the only person who has any semblance of wanting to have a family. Like, Shiv is so out the door. Kendall is so... Like, revenge, dad, Buddhist land. Art of war. Yes, art of war. Whereas Roman, it's like, he wants a family unit. When the kids are all together, he's, like, down to do whatever they say. Even if he thinks it's a bad idea, he'll do whatever, you know, his siblings say if they're all in it together. When daddy is like, hey, come over, I need you, he's listening. I do think he's still, and maybe it's because he's the youngest son, maybe it's because there was some abuse that was mentioned in this episode. Mm -hmm. Logan hit Roman, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's been mentioned in the past. That's been mentioned in the past. So there's a little bit of maybe, you know, uh, child of abuse dynamics where you love the hand that spurns you. It's There's a lot of potential avenues here, but it seems like he ultimately wants to be a family, which yeah. I guess brings me to the question, do you think that any of the Roys have any love in their life at all? Like at all. At all. Yeah. I mean, I think you could maybe look at what happens with Connor and Willa toward the end of the episode where he thinks that she's just walked out on him and then, oh, no, she's in bed and she just had a cold feet freak out. She was out. being Amy from the musical company. She was having an Amy and company. <sighs> not moment. getting married today. I'm not getting married. And You know what? what? They should make a bonus feature where it's just Willa doing that. Like, <laughs> while, you know, concurrently with the events of this episode. So <laughs> please way... film that, folks. Oh, please. We yeah. actually demand it. We need yeah. it. Um, I think that they have opportunities for it. There are people who are willing to love them, even though everything is so transactional, even with Willa. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that they have any model for it. Yeah, You know, you could even look at Roman being sympathetic to Connor, being like, all right, I'm going to you know, make jokes about it, but let's do your karaoke thing. Let's go yeah. to your regular man's bar or whatever. Um, even that might just be him seeing that the better way forward is to hold the family together because if you're fighting with each other, you're not really paying enough attention to your enemies. And mm. and that's reflected in at the end of the episode, Logan saying, like, I need someone who's a killer. He's like, you're not PMG, you know? Mm. So Logan sees a kind of amoral killer in Roman that we don't see necessarily in this episode, but maybe he's just trying to hold the family together out of pure business interest. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a long way of saying, I think these people are all capable of love or finding it. But they have absolutely no idea what to do with even the faintest shred of of a sincere sentiment. And so everything gets pushed away or recontextualized mm-hmm. into strategy. And they destroy it. It's like, I don't want to blame. Shiv is not fully to blame for the dissolution of her marriage, but she played a pretty big <laughs> role yeah, in it. And yeah. Tom seemed to maybe actually love her in his own weird striving way. And then we forget Kendall has literal kids. Where are they? Like, yeah, right, right. <laughs> like they probably love him, but the, the, his relationship with them is strained. Roman, you know, he's had 
his weird thing with Jerry. And Mm -hmm. there are all these sort of like approximations of maybe care and love. And yet oftentimes we find the Roy children sort of self-sabotage and ruin it. And I'm just I've left that episode with them, you know, family chat in the Maru karaoke room being like, oh, do any of them love each other? Like (laughs) beyond their utility Right. Uh, towards each other. They they have referenced, you know, in Milan shopping forever, or shouldn't we be just spending this money buying sushi and snowmobiles, whatever. Weren't they to get a life where everything is just moneyed ease of what I guess would be retirement for them? Mm-hmm. Would they have any reason to ever talk to each other again? <laughs> yeah. Maybe out of boredom, there would be an occasional snarky text or whatever. But like, you know, I think Kendall tried to have a family. I think Kendall thought of himself in college as maybe mm-hmm. like, I'm, yeah, my my dad's this big, powerful guy, but like, I'm kind of hip. I'm kind of cool. I think he met someone he genuinely liked and they had kids. And then the kind of call of, you know, Sauron's eye, which is mm-hmm. their dad, like drug him back to, to this kind of loveless place. Um, so I'll be curious if the show has... You know, this episode, there's a penultimate emotional scene between mm-hmm. a couple. Um, last week, it was Tom and Chip. This week, it's Connor and Willa, followed immediately by dad doing something kind of scary and cold hearted or, or like just kind of king sitting in this darkened castle. Um, so they're clearly trying to juxtapose those two things. Mm-hmm. And I wonder by the end of the season if one of them will have won out. Yeah. And I guess I should say, I think that's a very that juxtaposition is sort of way more at the forefront of this season than I think ever Mm -hmm. before in terms of like a sentimental, vulnerable moment, emotional relationship moment, then cut to like a deeply political, (laughs) cynical, you know, power-hungry moment. Um, And I guess for the Roy is that we see this with with the children. Maybe their way of showing love is negging and fighting and dissing and, you know, let's stab dad. And maybe maybe that is what love is to them. Is that the healthiest thing? No, but... No. You know, if it works, it works. (laughs) Still watching? We'll be back in just a moment. And when we return, the Roy family is not so subtly based on a few real-life media families, most prominently the Murdochs. That's Australian media mogul Rupert Murdoch, as well as his four older children, most of whom work or have worked at a Murdoch media company. So, if we can understand the Murdoch family better, we can get inside the head of the Roys. And maybe the converse is true, too. We've got Vanity Fair political correspondent Bess Levin to help us unpack all things Murdoch. Stay tuned. And if you are watching this video, either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect, her father, the Sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake, at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There is five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically, I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. 
you can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. We are thrilled to have Vanity Fair political correspondent Bess Levin in the studio today. Bess covers the political right for Vanity Fair, which, given the media properties the Murdochs own, means she's no stranger to their dealings. She is also, we hear, a big fan of Succession. Hey, Bess. Hi. Thanks so much for having oh my God, me. Thanks for coming. So, wait. Please tell us, like, what do you like about Succession? Because I feel like it might be, like, does it dovetail too close to your own line of work to enjoy, or do you just um, love that? No, I don't think so. I mean, I used to write about Wall Street, so it kind of covers all of my professional interests. <laughs> what do I love most about it? I mean, I love the kids roasting each other <laughs> and the ludicrously capacious bags. I mean, I do enjoy how rich they are and getting to have a look at that. And um, Well, it gives you ideas it. for your own mansion, right? Yes, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Design like, tips and whatnot. That yeah. is the couch I want for <laughs> I, my... I want I want Shiv's backsplash in, oh. in my you know, exactly. foyer bathroom right, or whatever. Right, of course. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's impressive that you've been able to dive into this family as much as you have because they're awful <laughs> from, from my perspective. <laughs> yeah. You are something of a, a, a Murdoch expert. And I think that in watching Succession over the years, I have had to pretend like I, I'm sort of like in the know about the workings of the mm-hmm. Murdoch family. Sure, same. So my first general question to you about that is how, well, A, how accurate do you think the show is to that real-life family? And Mm -hmm. B, do you think it's actually even trying to be, like, a one-for-one mapping of them? Um, You know, Jesse Armstrong, I'm sure you guys have seen in many interviews, had said, it's not the Murdochs, it's, you know, it's Mm -hmm. many of these dynastic media families, etc., but it's very close to the Murdochs. I mean, (laughs) there are so, so, so many similarities between these two families. Obviously, at the basic center of it, you have this patriarch running a global media empire. But I mean, there are a lot of one for one things. You've got Rupert Murdoch has a child from his first marriage, Prudence, who has never worked for the business. Obviously, that's, you know, a similarity to Connor Roy. And then from his second marriage, he has three children who are not children anymore. They're in their early 50s. But um, Lachlan, Elizabeth, and James, who have all worked for him over the years and jockeyed for the top job, obviously, in a very similar fashion to Kendall, Shiv, Roman. And then, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is that um, the Murdochs have the Murdoch family trust. And, you know, the trust is mentioned all throughout succession. That's sort of keeping the dysfunction in this family and business, which is that the kids can create these factions. I mean, right. the Murdoch family, right now, the way it's set up, Murdoch has four votes and the kids each have one. But when he one day presumably dies, <laughs> those will go away. And, um, you know, it'll kind of be back to square one for the kids in terms of fighting for the top job, even though one of them currently has the top job. And then there's so many, you know, little things. Waystar Royco has had their big cruises scandal. Fox has had many sexual <laughs> issues, yeah, scandals, yeah. settlements. Assaults, harassment. Yeah. You know, yeah. Logan hasn't kept up with Murdoch in terms of 
having even more children. But I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Carrie? Yeah. It seems like they've. He was looking into fertility treatments last, last season, season, right? So yeah. never say never. Although so. this episode, they might be on the rocks after her <laughs> ATN hosting stint. Did she really think that that was going to happen? I don't know. How awkward yeah. is that? But um, it's been my understanding, and maybe I'm getting the name wrong, but isn't James Murdoch kind of the apostate where like he sort of has spoken out against the really right-wing swing of Fox News of late, where Lachlan has kind of dug deeper into that, right? Right. So it's interesting in terms of the real-life kids and the succession kids. You know, there isn't necessarily like a one-to-one. There isn't someone Mm. where you could say, oh, that's Roman or, oh, that's this person. Whereas Shiv is the one who has worked for Democrats on the show. James is much more liberal than his siblings. Um, Lachlan is said to be even more conservative than Rupert, which Whoa. I'm not <laughs> even sure what that means. <laughs> Chill down my spine. That's just like fascist party. Um, mm. And James and his wife have donated to Democratic causes. Um, and when James resigned um, in 2020, he said that he disagreed with some of the content coming out of their networks and I think that James is pretty disgusted with Fox News, whereas I think Lachlan thinks it's great. Yet he still has a share. Yet he's still <laughs> right. Yeah, but he's right, still right, sort of right. benefiting. He's still from it. he's still benefiting from it. And cool, cool. That's yeah, yeah, really yeah. Chill. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, he's not a saint, but yes, politically is definitely to the left of his siblings and his father. Not that it is one-to-one, but sure. like the similarity is because obviously, you know, I know the Murdochs, I know the names, but in terms of, you know, this is not my beat, so I'm not yeah, yeah, so yeah. deeply familiar. But one thing that has definitely come across my radar, which also randomly is a storyline in succession this season, is oh. that uh, Rupert is getting married again? Oh my God. Wedding I bells love will ring. so much. Yes. So for the listeners who aren't uh, intimately familiar with Rupert Murdoch's love life, he has recently gotten engaged for a fifth time Mm. at the age of 92 he told the post cindy adams in interview um obviously he owns the post that (laughs) he and his fiance are looking forward to spending the second half of their lives together whoa Um, so he's gonna live till he's 180 what does he know that we don't about (laughs) i mean apparently i really you know i would love somebody to do a deep dive on why he's getting married again. I mean, right. is he just a romantic at heart? Is he like Ross Geller? Does he love proposing <laughs> to people? <laughs> like, did this woman give him an ultimatum and say, if you don't propose to me, we're done? But yeah, he's getting married. They met in September at, I think it was an event at his vineyard in California, mm. and a a summer wedding is planned. <laughs> Wow. Well, I can't wait to be invited and to go. Um, I know. What is he? I mean, I guess, yeah, we'd have to say, is he a romantic to get married again at 92 (laughs) for the fifth time? But like compared to a Logan Roy, who is this bellicose, you know, screaming all the time. Ball buster. What is Murdoch's temperament supposed to be like? Um, You know, they're both from Commonwealth countries, uh, Scotland versus Australia. And I think Murdoch is definitely considered... You know, like Logan and the Roy's, less sort of genteel and waspy than, you know, the Pierce family mm, right. or the Sulzbergers or all those people. And I do think there's definitely a gruffness and a ruthlessness to him. But I think Logan sort of definitely is much more... Um, Crass, <laughs> right? And right. I'm not sure that uh, 
you know, there's the scene in, in episode one where of this season where Logan is telling people that he wants them to roast him. And right. there was the, you know, back and forth with Greg uh, referencing his father at the country fair. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know if right. I don't think Rupert is would, would do that going to that. Yeah. To that level. Extreme. But I think he's somewhere between um, a Logan and you know, a Soul's burger. Mm, so okay. he's not telling people to fuck off all the time. <laughs> not all the time. I'm <laughs> sure he does sometimes. Okay, that <laughs> helps sort of to put a picture for this, you know, sort of like sure. old overlord man who is okay. He's simultaneously, he's, he's, so he's getting married, but also right. like there are some serious things that are happening yes. in terms of the Murdoch dynasty and, you know, threatening democracy and the Dominion voting systems lawsuit. Can you sort of walk us through uh, the darker chapter that right. the Murdochs are in right now? Right, so some some cynics have suggested that perhaps he decided to get married for a fifth time to drum up some good press for himself because Fox right now is in the midst of a very, very big um, defamation suit against them that is going to trial this month. They've been sued for $1.6 billion by Dominion Voting Systems, which, you know, has alleged that all of the stuff that Fox basically said on air related to the 2020 election was bullshit and that they knew it. Text messages between Murdoch and executives have come out where, you know, they knew that what they were peddling to their audience was not true. And that's obviously not good for (laughs) democracy. Um, So that case is coming up. It's not really clear what's going to happen. Defamation cases are very difficult to win, but there does seem to be a lot of smoking guns. And so... That would be a big deal for the would, Murdochs if they lost. Would it be more reputationally damaging? Than yes. Fi- yeah. Because like the, be. the 1.6 billion sure. is a lot, but they could kind of sure. absorb that. Yes. But, mm. Yes, yes, yes. I think it would be I think it would be similar to, you know, there was the big phone hacking in the UK and that was a huge reputational bomb. That also, you know, screwed things up for them because they wanted to do all these deals where they wanted to buy some um, media properties in the UK, and they weren't allowed to do that. And that was a huge blow to the company. Mm. I don't know if they're thinking of doing any deals right now. You know, they famously sold 21st Century Fox to Disney a few years ago. And so I'm not sure if there's something like on the table that could be threatened by this, but I think it would be a big reputational issue. Well, I wanted to ask you also about that sale. So sure. the real life mirroring is that while Murdoch the Murdoch family still owns Fox News and I believe Fox Broadcasting and Fox Sports and Fox Sports. They sold the television studio, the movie studio and all that sort of ancillary stuff to Disney, Disney, thus making Disney, you know, the Death Star that much bigger. (laughs) Yeah. And we see on this show where Logan is about to do the similar thing. Yes. And then what does that do? It drives him back to ATN, ATN, the love of his life. Right. Is that a reflection of what happened with Murdoch? Did he get more involved in Fox News after he divested himself of all this other stuff? Yes, I think he definitely got more involved over the last couple years. I'm not sure he's walking the floor and <laughs> screaming at people and giving speeches about how they're all pieces of shit. <laughs> but um, I think he definitely got more involved. I would say, you know, the biggest outcome of that sale was, I mean, one, each of his children got $2 billion. So that was pretty nice. Right, okay. right. Um, but that was the nail in the coffin for James leaving the company. James 
I believe it was reported that he believed that there was going to be a role for him at Disney when the deal closed. That didn't happen. And then he left. And it solidified, for now, Lachlan's position as the true heir apparent. Lachlan is the CEO of Fox Corps, and I think he's the co-chair of News Corps, which is the other big holding company that they own, which owns the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, um, and the other publishing outlets in the UK and Australia, et cetera, et cetera. So right now, Lachlan, it seems like, you know, he's going to be the one who's next in line. But it's actually, it's not clear that that's going to happen when Rupert eventually dies because of the structure of this Murdoch family trust. And there are people who think that James would want to come in and sort of push Lachlan out and reorient the business so it's less a (laughs) democracy-killing enterprise. It's not clear what the two sisters might do Mm. in terms of their alliances, but it's definitely far from case closed that Lachlan, after Rupert dies, will be number one. So you're saying there could be a season five. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Stretch it out a little bit. There definitely could be a season five. You have to wait for the the patriarch to die at some point. Oh, there's there's a lot more material for the writers. But it's interesting that James is not out for the count, you know, like we've seen a lot of the kids on this show out in the cold and then brought back in and then exactly. out in the cold again. And so it's just because, I mean, I guess their family. <laughs> right. At the end of the day. I yeah. mean, and that happened in the past with Lachlan. He was in the company and he left in 2005. He went back to Australia and then he came back into the fold. It's I haven't been in on their therapy sessions <laughs> of the Murdoch kids, but I assume there's something of a similar dynamic Um to the Roy kids where they are just so desperate for their father's love and approval and the way that he shows that is giving them the top jobs at the company. Wow. Do we know, and this is maybe, you know, beyond any of our knowledge, like <laughs> what the the siblings' relationship dynamic, like do we know anything about their relationship to each other? So I believe at this point the relationship between James and Lachlan is said to be pretty non-existent. Mm. Which, you know, you can kind of understand that, especially at least from a political yeah, standpoint. standpoint. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't want to spend time someone with who's further right than Rupert Murdoch? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I think the sisters are sort of uh, neutral. I believe somebody once said that Prudence, the oldest one, the Connor of them all, is she's Switzerland. Mm. Um, she's Switzerland. Rich, cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And I don't know what their relationship is with the younger two who... By the way, very crucially, they don't have voting rights, but they do they do have the same financial stake, which is pretty nice for them at yeah. 20 and 22. <laughs> Jesus. What would I, I have done with a billion that? dollars? That, okay, that's, that's the spinoff series. It's like <laughs> Gossip Girl, mm. Logan Roy's like youngest child with Carrie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Immediately yeah. greenlight. <laughs> oh. Greenlight that. For sure. I, I do want to know, like, before we move on, just because this season seems to be getting more overtly political sure. in terms yeah, of like, yeah, leading yeah. up to an election. And obviously, you know, we had 2016 and Fox News and the Murdochs and whatnot. How responsible do we think like the Murdochs were in terms of getting Trump elected? Like how? Oh, I think extremely. Mm. Yeah, Rupert threw his lot with Trump. And then obviously throughout the Trump administration, they were, you know, it was basically state TV. You know, it's interesting right now because after the midterms, 
it all but seemed that Rupert and Fox and the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal kind of were ready to dump him in favor of Ron DeSantis. But now with the indictment, they're sort of back in his corner. And 100 percent, if he wins the GOP nomination, they'll be backing him all right. the way. Mm-hmm. But do you think there is still an ter- internal debate about which horse to, to go? I mean, I guess they can buy their time. But yeah, I think I think they can buy their time. I think they would like DeSantis. But I think, I mean, right now he's polling quite badly compared to Trump. And uh, right. But he's so charming. <laughs> he is so charming. And he eats pudding with three fingers. Who doesn't love that? What a normal thing to do. He's amazing. A, what a cultural leader for our country. He's a wonderful man. But I'm sure Lachlan loves him <laughs> for that reason. I'm sure. Still watching. We'll be back in just a moment. And when we return, our theory is about who will be the successor. Ever wanted to go inside the Met Gala? I'm Cho Minardi, and this week on The Run Through Vogue, we take you inside the world's most exclusive and glamorous party. We'll talk about the best looks from the red carpet and everything that happened after. Listen to The Run Through Vogue wherever you get your podcasts. Should we get into predicting? So just to remind listeners, um, every week at the end of the episode, we take a look at all we've learned and predict who we think is going to be the ultimate successor. I predicted... Connor would win the presidency. You did. Right, you right, right. You believe. definitely did do Fingers that. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> you were on the Jerry track. I know, which Chris. is a, a losing bet right now, it looks like. Um, okay, so Bess, you have the choice of going first or last. I'll go first. Why okay. not? All right. Mm. Who do you think? You know, I'm going to say Roman. I kind of feel like they're doing a 180 on him. Like he, when he started out, he was the fuck up. He was the degenerate. He was the sexual deviant. And now he's kind of like, in the last two episodes, he's kind of been the voice of reason a little bit. He was like, guys, $10 billion is ridiculous. They obviously overpaid. Mm-hmm. He knows that it's a bad idea to try to push Gojo to pay more money. I mean, I'm a little bit worried about him because obviously we saw his father bringing him in at the end of this mm-hmm. episode, and that's not to be trusted. But I would kind of love it if he ended up on top. Wow. With Jerry as his lieutenant. Okay. I know they in love. <laughs> and married. Yeah, and married. Okay. And they'll yeah. live for 90 years yeah. just like Rupert Murdoch will after yes. his wedding. Right. And that would be nice and like subversive, the younger man, Absolutely. older woman. Yeah. Well, we, HBO is really trying to re-engage um, uh, age gap discourse on Twitter. Yes. So yes. that, would be, that mm. would be a great way to do it. Yeah. 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 Way. yeah. I guess I will say I can go next because I honestly – my winner of this episode was Roman as well. I think Roman emerged because, in part, you know, everyone is sort of acting out of spite and Roman seems to be the one who's most acting out of something akin to maybe love and is playing both sides. He's like in his sibling's corner, but he also has his dad's ear and he seems to sort of be in the best position to make a smart move depending on how the chips fall. So I do... I do think Roman won this episode. I do think the loser of the episode, um, Carrie, close second, Miss Bangs. Clo- oh, she Miss was. Bangs she harsh. definitely. She definitely lost. Um, but then Connor, most definitely. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with Connor as being. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna win the Waystar Royco Throne because, as I said, I don't know if that's gonna exist by the end of the season. Right. But I, 
I do think this season is setting it up where we are starting to feel because I've always thought that Connor is the most monstrous character of the children oh, because wow. he so represents just buffoon wealth, just like uh, unearned. Oh, let me be president because I want to be and let me court whoever I want. So I, I think the show is cynical enough to say we'll figure out the, the Waystar Royco stuff. But the end message of the show is going to be while you were looking at that. This guy was ascending to the presidency. I would presidency. love to see Willa as first lady. Oh, she well, right? the outfits. That outfit yeah. that she wore, you know, to her rehearsal dinner that she walked out of was gorgeous. gorgeous. I will say, I think that makes a lot of sense. But to Roman, okay, so I will bring up one quibble that I had this episode. I do, I think Roman would love karaoke. The fact that he was like, I yes. don't like karaoke. Roman is the type of person who would love to do karaoke. And I will say, I will say, okay, I ran into Shiv Roy, Sarah Snook, doing <gasps> karaoke three years ago at Montero's in Brooklyn. Oh. And she sang Shallow, and it was really good. Wow. And I was there for it. So well, That was also, have you ever <laughs> been to a chicer karaoke place in New York City? I certainly have been to the least chic karaoke <laughs> places in New York okay. City. Not to out myself yeah. as a big karaoke head, I've been to that exact karaoke place for my wow, best friend's birthday. you're fancy. Maru, it's in Koreatown. Gorgeous spot. It's yeah. a great place to do karaoke. Well, next time my family's fighting, I'll make sure we all <laughs> head there for some therapy. Yeah. In the meantime, Bess, thank you so much for coming Thanks on. So we for having appreciate me. your insights yes. and come back. We got, I'd love we got to. to talk more. I mean, there, there's a lot of season to come. Yes. And also, thank you to the listeners for emailing in. We got a couple corrections. Okay. It's important. Naomi Pierce is not a daughter of Nan Pierce. She is a cousin. Right. That's even chicer somehow. It is. Yeah. Um, and the Pierce estate is in California. I think that's something It that was I, not in Europe. It was not in Europe, yeah. like I said, because I don't know where fancy places are and I don't know where things right. are. This has been Still Watching from Vanity Fair. Our producer this week is Michelle O'Brien, and we had production help from Peyton Hayes. We had technical assistance from Gabe Caroga and Gintis Norvola. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Alexis Quadrado. We'll be back next week for episode three. Looking forward to seeing you then. I just feel like Logan is such a my way Frank Sinatra guy. Like, there's, there's no way that he's not singing my way at karaoke. Yeah, it's about him. I mean, could you see, like, Shiv in her cheesiness, like, doing, like, an Adele song? Uh, and, like, kind of thinking that it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 She definitely does someone yeah. like you after the Tom break. But it's, like, yeah. super cracky. And, yeah, right. Yeah. She's not there, but she's really giving it her all in a way. 100%. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new uh, translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. Really excited to see... Whether I can read the Iliad again, whether I'm that literate, I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. (laughs) He can't stop. I mean, and and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. (laughs) 